0: CHMA
1: Hello and welcome to Tantramar Report on CHMA 106.9 FM and CHMAFM.com. We're broadcasting from Sackville, New Brunswick, the heart of the Maritimes, on the traditional and unceded lands of the Mi'kmaq people. I'm Erica Butler. It's Tuesday, April 11th. Coming up on today's edition of Tantramar Report.
2: It's about resetting the relationship and rebuilding that, that, that relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. And it goes back to the actual treaties of 1760-61. Uh,
1: this Friday and Saturday, speakers from across Canada and the Maritimes will gather for Rough Waters, a two-day conference exploring the legacy of the 1999 Marshall decisions. Mount Allison politics professor doctor Mario Marie-Olivec will be with us shortly to talk more about the conference right after today's briefs. The building beside the former Joey's Pizza may still be standing after last week's fire, but the building sustained significant smoke and water damage. Olivia Watson runs Estava Spa in one of the ground floor retail spaces and says she lost pretty much everything to water damage. A firefighter told the esthetician that most of her equipment is sitting in a pool of water. Watson was due to move to a space in Willow Lane in May, but is now unsure if she will be able to open in the new location. A GoFundMe has been started for Watson to help her recover damaged equipment and supplies. LiveBait Theatre next door says the theatre group is in a holding pattern for now, awaiting word on getting access to the building. The group said via email that they've reached out to the fire chief but have yet to hear back and hope to assess their damage this week. Tanchamar Council meets tonight for its regular meeting. The agenda has been posted on sackville.com. Presentations are expected on topics including tax rates, with some residents saying they're paying too much for inadequate services. Some other items on the docket include road closures for the Friday night cruise and Sappy Fest, approval of a $2,500 grant to the organizers of the Dorchester Shire Town Festival, and the awarding of a contract for planting and maintaining flower baskets, planters, and beds. Council will also hear a proposed update to the bylaw on dangerous and unsightly premises, which will see the former Sackville and Dorchester bylaws essentially applied to the new amalgamated municipality. Council starts their meeting at 6 p.m. to discuss an HR issue in private, and the public meeting begins at 7 p.m. at Sackville Town Hall. The meeting will also be live-streamed with links at sackville.com under Town Hall Minutes and Agendas. Shep the Sandpiper is back in Dorchester, but there's controversy brewing about how she got there and worries that she might not last long. Former village councillor Cara Becker, who appeared before Tantramar Council in March to request support for the return of the sculpture, says the bird was installed on Saturday by a team of volunteers. No town of Tantramar staff were involved in the installation. Becker says a single donor contributed the $9,300 directly to the artist who created the new Shep, Robin Hansen, and so a group of volunteers drove to Oromocto to pick up the bird on Easter weekend. Hansen built Shep after he was approached by former village mayor Debbie Wiggins Calwell, who he said commissioned the project on behalf of a group of local volunteers and not the village of Dorchester. That's where things get confusing for Dorchester resident Bill Steele, who lives across from the new Shep in the Dorchester Jail. Steele has written to Tanchimar staff and council asking for an explanation of how the new Shep came about without any involvement from the former village and now the new town of Tanchamar. He says he feels left out of the process and is concerned as a former Toronto civil servant that proper procurement procedures were not followed. Kara Becker is a bit concerned that Shep might get removed after being installed by the group of volunteers instead of town staff, but she says if Tanchimar Council won't keep the statue in Village Square, she and her team will be able to find another location for the popular giant bird. For Steele's part, he says he doesn't want to see the bird removed now that it is installed, but he wants to know the full story of how the sculpture was commissioned and suspects that Tantramar's code of conduct was violated in the process. Now for today's feature story, it's been nearly 25 years since the Supreme Court of Canada overturned the convictions of Donald Marshall, Jr. And in doing so affirmed the hunting, fishing and gathering rights promised to indigenous peoples in the peace and friendship treaties of 1760 and 61. These days with three separate title claims laid out by first nations in New Brunswick, the significance of the Marshall decisions has never been greater. And that's why indigenous elders, scholars, fishers, lawyers, historians, and economists, among others, will gather this Friday and Saturday at Mount Allison for rough waters, a two-day workshop looking at the legacy of the Marshall decisions. CHMA called up organizer and Mount Allison professor Dr. Mario Leveck to find out more.
3: Now, but obviously you see the importance of this legacy of these decisions. Uh what's your sales pitch to others who who might not be familiar why is this decision worth paying attention to and worth studying
2: It's very much uh, worth paying attention to and studying because when you take a look about it it's reassessing our relationship with indigenous peoples in Atlantic Canada um for over 150 years we've basically pushed them and marginalized them in terms of their own um, economy and also their participation in the broader economy and what the 1999 Marshall decisions uh said is the fact that their historical treaties are still in full force and effect. And so when you're thinking about this here, then, is we have to adjust our economies, adjust our practices, to include them fully in things as they are have a full right to be included in. So, from that perspective, there it's about resetting the relationship and rebuilding that, that, that relationship between indigenous and non indigenous people. And it goes back to the actual treaties of 1760 uh, 61. Uh, those, these are the peace and friendship treaties that I am uh, talking about here. And in those treaties, basically, uh, it wasn't about uh, a cessation of land. What it was is the fact that we had agreed at that time to live together over the same territory in peace and friendship, so to share the land in here and to share its resources. And for too long, we've uh, not been doing that, but since 1999, we've started to do a little bit of a better job in regards to the fishery. So for this here um what the it, 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 the implications of it are is that it's not just about the fisheries here well the con, the workshop here is about the fishery but more broader is about indigenous non-indigenous relations in in the maritimes which has a great significance in New Brunswick at the moment I must add especially with three land claims uh, that have been uh, filed with the uh, the courts and the government in here um so and these land claims are going to be defined how our uh, resources, our uh, timber resources, crown lands and minerals and are shared between Indigenous and, non, and non-Indigenous people. So basically we're moving to a new treaty agreement in the uh, Maritimes.
3: Yeah, so people might associate the Marshall decision with the idea of fisheries, but really, as you say, this really can impact, you know, how we think about this legal relationship and what the P- Peace and Friendship Treaties mean to, a, you know, today. And And like, as you say... Uh, The future of the, you know, these negotiations that the New Brunswick government might be going into with the First Nations, uh, both the Willis-Takwe and the Mi'kmaq, I guess.
2: That's absolutely correct in here. And basically the goal here of this workshop is the fact that uh, two years ago uh, I I got together with my co-editors, the Honorable Graydon Nicholas and also uh, Dr. Ken Coates and we wanted to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Marshall decisions which is next year 2024 and so we decided to do a special issue of the journal of new brunswick studies on this topic and so we uh, issued a call for participation for papers to explore different issues uh where we are today what other steps we need to take for a more equitable resource allocation uh between indigenous and non-indigenous people and to explore the historical treaties and the actual relationship along the way we said it would be a great idea to bring our contributors to the special issue together in a workshop to explore their contributions and to debate the issues and this is what this workshop is this coming weekend right now from there, then, once the workshop is over, we will submit our papers for external review. Uh, once that is, process is completed at the end of the year, then it will be submitted for publication. And the final issue of the journal is going to come out in 2024 on the 25th anniversary of the uh, uh, the, uh, the Marshall decisions.
3: Now, you mentioned there would be some debate. Do you think there will be you know, some variety of opinions, some... some some conversations that, you know, that, that show, I guess, different perspectives in this?
2: I think so, um, because I don't think we all think the same, and even when we uh, think maybe similarly, we have different ways of maybe getting there in our own logic and how we should uh, do things as well. So, for example, uh, on uh, Friday night, we uh, starting at 7 p.m. in the Crabtree Auditorium on campus, we have a fisheries reconciliation panel where we have the director of fisheries and integrated resources for the atlantic policy congress of uh, um the Chief of the First Nations Se- Secretariat, Melissa Nevins, coming in to speak. And she's also going to be joined by Martin Malat, uh, who is the Executive Director of the Maritime Fisheries Union. So here we have the uh, leader of the uh, uh, non-Indigenous uh, fisheries individuals and the leader of the Indigenous fi- 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 fisheries individuals coming together, along with Dr. Ken Coates in uh, uh, from saskatchewan who has written extensively on the uh, atlantic fishery and they're going to discuss where we are today uh, in as a result of the marshall decisions um... what are the outstanding hot button topics that remain to be resolved in here and what are some ways that we can maybe try to resolve this in here so i think that this is important in here and they won't necessarily all agree uh... they may agree that uh, on um, where we need to go but not necessarily how to get there and Maybe they don 't even agree on where we need to go necessarily or how fast we need to get there uh, so so I think that that 's important to have that presented to people and to discuss and to reflect and I think that 's one of the biggest things right here because um, especially in New Brunswick right now and more broadly the maritimes, but in particular in New Brunswick, uh, um, First Nations communities and uh, government relations has deteriorated uh, over the past four or five years. Uh, you know, they don't want to do land acknowledgements or they have restricted land acknowledgements. They don't want to call in public inquiry into systemic, uh, racism into our judicial system in here that, uh, against, uh, indigenous people. Um, they did not even want to, uh, ra- recognize, uh, September 30th, the National Day of Reconciliation, um, at the New Brunswick government. And, uh, so, so, and, and again, they ripped up the tax sharing agreements between First Nations communities and, uh, uh, the New Brunswick government. So, you know we need more positive news here we need to develop some spaces for people to come together to discuss things to explore the issues in here and it's only through this discussion where we can try to resolve the issues to one venue where we can at least start this discussion and uh... and and uh... explore some of the issues that are at the heart of the conflict
3: it sounds wonderful um... so if people you know if people in sacramento in particular want to Join the audience here. Do they need to do anything in advance, or can they just uh, show up at the door, kind of thing?
2: They can. The it is open to the uh, public, and uh, they can go to our Instagram page, um, uh, Rough Waters Conference, or our Facebook page with with the same name, Rough Waters Conference. They can see the uh, conference program there. Um, they can also uh, register for it if they want to, but they don't even have to register. They can show up and they can attend. We have, but uh, one thing that they can do is see the program and see all the different sessions and choose which ones that they would like to uh, attend. It starts Friday at 12 noon in the Purdy Crawford Center for the Arts, um, and then Friday night uh, we it goes all day Friday. Friday night we have the reconciliation panel at 7 p.m. in the Crabtree Auditorium. And then on Saturday, back in the Purdy Crawford Centre for the Arts, we have more paper presentations and keynote um, presentations as well, including uh, the Honorable Graydon Nicholas, um, who's going to speak on the need for a modern treaty in Atlantic Canada. So, so we have a whole host of speakers coming in. There's about seventeen individuals in total that are going to speak on the topic, and uh, so it'll be for a very, very eclectic. Uh, group of individuals, and I should add one more thing in here. Our very first speaker of the day on Friday uh, at, at 12 noon it would be uh, Jane McMillan, uh, Dr. Jane McMillan. She's at Saint FX U- U- University in the Anthropology Department. Um, she's a Canada Research Chair and also Donald Marshall's former spouse. And uh, she's uh, we invited her to speak directly on who Donald Marshall was. And uh, we did this deliberately because there's a lot written about the court cases and all the positions and the conflict and everything else. But there's a lot less written on who the person was behind all these decisions. And so we thought that we need to understand the person in order to understand the issues that came afterwards. And we're very lucky. She readily agreed, and so we're thrilled that she's coming here to uh, to uh, speak to us. And her talk is called We Fishing. So she's going to talk about her experience getting arrested, actually, at the, uh, in 1993 uh, with Donald uh, and, and this whole process that started uh, the whole case. So, so again, another fantastic individual to have, and it's open to the public, and uh, I look forward to seeing people there.
1: That's Mount Allison politics professor Dr. Mary Olivec. Rough Waters is happening this Friday and Saturday. We'll have links up later today at our story at chmafm.com. That's it for Tanchema Report for this Tuesday, April 11th. Thanks to the local donors who support the station and the Local Journalism Initiative for funding local news reporting throughout Canada. Get in touch with CHMA News anytime at news at chmafm.com. I'm Erica Butler. Thanks for listening.
4: by nine FM, on the unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people.
3: And now the weather. Today, sunny. Wind becoming southwest 20 kilometers an hour, gusting to 40 near noon. High of 12, except 8, along the Fundy Coast. UV index 5 or moderate. Tonight, clear, becoming partly cloudy before morning. Wind southwest, 20 km an hour, gusting to 40, becoming light this evening. Low minus 2, wind chill minus 7 overnight. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind becoming southwest, 20 km an hour, gusting to 40, near noon. High of 16, except 9 along the Fundy coast. Tomorrow night, showers, low plus 4. Wednesday, showers, high of 6. Wednesday night, cloudy with 60% chance of showers, low plus one.
4: The Town of Tantamar is offering free weekly activities for adults at the Dorchester School Gym. Between 6.30 and 8.30 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You can play pickup basketball on Mondays pick up volleyball on Wednesdays, and pickleball on Thursdays. For more information or to get your name on the list for updates, contact Station 8 at programs at station8nb.ca. That's programs at station, the number 8, nb.ca. With April being Poetry Month, here is your chance to showcase your work. The town of Tantramar would like you to submit a video of yourself performing your original poem for a chance to win a great prize. Submit your video poem to hashtag tantramarpoet or email it to d.cadman, that's d.cadman, at sackville.com before April 14th.
2: some rock and roll from across space and time? Join Tara Bercy and Ben Needham for Strange Notes. Friday nights at 10 p.m. on 106.9 CHMA, the Voice of the Marshes in Sackville, New Brunswick.
0: Supple and sweet And now it's withered On the vine There's before And then there's after Five. Take my hands, they used to hold you so tight. Now they reach, but they never touch you in the night. There's before, and then there's after. You were mine.
2: You're listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, home to some of my dear friends, Jesse Baird and Julie Duran.
4: Nominations are now being accepted for the Sackville Arts Wall. Biannually, the Sackville Artswell honors the achievements of Tantramar artists who have attained prominence in the literary arts, performing arts, visual arts, and arts builders. It also recognizes a citizen or group who has been instrumental in the cultural and artistic development within the community. Further information and nomination forms can be found on the Artswell page at sackville.com/artswell or by calling 506-364-4930. Please submit forms by May 12th.